There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, let's rock and roll, people. Good morning. Today is Friday, December 29th, 2023. We made it to the end of the week. We made it to the end of the year. Final episode of the season, episode 525, coming in hot at you. Welcome to Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and I am pleased to tell you that over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Frank Andriuli, Alicia, Jerry, James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet, Alpha Sierra, Jesse Johnson, all the mods, BSEC working tirelessly in the back room getting the stories, Divine Dream Divine, Rhonda Rummerfield, so many folks like Sherry McAdam over on, or Sherelle McAdam over on LinkedIn with David Cox, Marcus Kyler and the Yeet crew. We're all going to be going through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. So holler, holler, holler. We're going to be shredding it delivering cyber risk reduction value to practitioners and newcomers alike. If you're practicing cybersecurity, I know we got a three-day weekend. Threat actors don't sleep. They suck like that. They don't take vacations like we do. So we've got to be ever vigilant. We've got to man the wall. So we cover the top stories, and I will give my opinion on how to best leverage or utilize that information to help drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders. And my friends who are the newcomers, if you're trying to break into the industry, believe me, you're going to be asked at any single job interview, how do you stay current in cyber? How do you stay current in the industry? When you drop this knowledge bomb right here on their head, you're going to get a high five across the table potentially. And maybe we'll get a new listener, a new Simply Cyber community member here in chat every single morning. So believe me, uh, on top of you know the news, the networking over there, you see all those people? Marcus Kyler asking for a Yeet Crew checking in. Checking in, Marcus. The networking's phenomenal. You're all phenomenal. We crush it every day. We put in the work. We reap the rewards. Let's go. I'm super pumped. Now, before we get into it, I do want to say shout out and love to the stream sponsors, starting with Panopsi Security. Actually, no jaw jacking today. No jaw jacking today. Catch me outside. How about that? I know that might upset many of you. But uh, I got a meeting with Panopsi actually at 9 a.m. So get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. Believe that if you need a little bit of help, whether it's a fractional a staff member, whether it's some guidance on taking your maturity of your InfoSec program from reactive to proactive. Hell, if you just want to run a tabletop exercise, I mean, it's too late now, but a lot of people were trying to burn their budget. I know this sounds ridiculous for those who don't aren't familiar with this 
uh, process. But if you were trying to burn your budget, tabletop exercises um, are a great way to do that. Quantified risk assessments, great way to do that and get value. Panopside can do all of it. Give them a call or give them a link. Uh, click at panopside.com. Check out Brandon. Love the work they're doing. Also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon Training. They got a, they're coming out the gates hot in 2024. Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education in the cyberspace to everyone. And when they say everyone, they mean everyone, regardless of financial position. So don't let financial barriers prevent you from getting high-quality, cutting-edge education from some of the top people in our industry, including... Uh, Mount Rushmore face, John Strand, the practitioner, not the male model. He will be giving um, training at the end of January and early February, two different classes, one on active defense and cyber deception, which is an absolute delight. I've taken it myself and really enjoyed it. And SOC core skills. So if you're looking to get in as a SOC analyst or maybe just uh, right there, SOC core skills, or just level up a little bit, say you're doing GRC and you want to, you want to, uh, do some workforce development. There you go. Use the link in the description below. Go to Anti-Siphon Training. Check out their pay-what-you-can schedule. Believe me, you will thank me later. Anti-Siphon Training. Thanks so much for being a sponsor. And Barricade Cyber, but we'll talk more about them at the mid-roll. I want to remind all of you, you may not know this, but I do zero <laughs> I do zero prep, zero research in advance. I don't even know what the stories are. And uh, it's just me for an hour with you. Given hot takes, hot take central up in here. And it's totally all about good times just to qualify. So if I say something that's not right, spoiler alert, I don't know everything. I do know a few things about a few things though. Uh, so feel free to chime in if you've got context and you want to share a perspective and et cetera on the stories. Now, what you also may not know, my friends, is that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. That's right. You get continuing professional education credits because we're going through top cyber news. I am qualified as an instructor. And this is basically a webinar that doesn't suck, right? Like this isn't some lame webinar. We're all about good times up in here. So be sure to say what's up in chat. Take a screenshot, file it away on like a folder on your desktop or maybe in the cloud. So you have contingency plans. And when it comes time to file CPEs, just take count the number of files, multiply it by 0.5 and say, Oh, that was easy. Seriously. And if you don't know what to say in chat, holler at you. What's up, Kuda Chimera? Good to see you. Wow. Say hashtag Team SC because we are one community, Simply Cyber People, Team SC. Brandon Corman coming in hot with 12 months. Welcome to the Blue, ba Blue Badge Club. Wow. Brandon, love it, love it, love it. Hey, Cyber Hamburglar. That dark red's looking good on you at the nine-month mark. Wow. Cool. Hey, hashtag Team SC checking in. Tom Bishop, Seabright, Jeff Watala. And finally, my friends, if this is your first episode, if episode 525 is your first episode, you're absolutely welcome to be in here. Um, we make the circle as wide as it needs to be to welcome newcomers, but let us know it's your first time. We have a special emote and a special sound effect just for you. Hashtag first timer in chat. You have to let us know it's your first time, though, or else we won't be able to give you the emotes <clears throat> and the sound effects. Ooh, what is this? Is this James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet coming in with the gift subs and uh, the blue badging? Wow. 
Love it, love it, love it. Thanks so much, James McQuiggan. Also, remember, guys, today is Friday, which means it's Grayson's Joke of the Week, presented by James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. So stay tuned for that. James is always bringing the heat. Can't believe it. Made it to 2023. Uh, made it through 2023. Coffee cup cheers, everybody. Shout out to Sweetwater, as always. They sent me this really cool mug as like a thank you for, you know, working with Sweetwater over the over the year. So we're on to it. Also, hey, real quick, we're about to get into the news, which is super dope. Actually, let's just do that, and I'll say it later. Let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Friday, December 29th, 2023. I'm Steve Prentice. Lockbit hits German hospital system over the holidays. The Catholic Hospital Association of East Westphalia suffered a breakdown of its IT systems on December 24th, with three of its six hospitals affected. According to an announcement on their own website, the assailant was Lockbit 3.0 and certain data was encrypted. Dr. Jan Schlenker, managing director of the hospital group, stated that patient data is still available for patient treatment. Okay. All right. So a couple things. Obviously, this sucks, man. Like you're going to hit a hospital on Christmas Eve. I get it. It's an affiliate model, which means you deal with all sorts of dodgy characters coming from different backgrounds who oftentimes don't care. They're just looking to get paid. Great cash, homie. But man, you you got a special uh, heart that's three sizes too small and a dog named Max. If you're hitting a hospital on Christmas Eve, you Grinch. Um now, the good news is that they said that patient data is still accessible um, for, you know, because usually patient data is included in an EHR record. If the EHR records are cloud-based, which is probably the case here, um, then all they need is a web browser to access it. So, um, you know, good on them. Um, you know, usually in healthcare, the um, the medical device systems, right, like your x-ray machines and you know the the thing that's like beep beep like next to your bed those aren't really i mean they're sometimes they're ip enabled and stuff but they're not necessarily on the same network segment um now they do run legacy operating systems that suck and stuff like that like windows xp and windows 7 but um oftentimes they're segmented out because they're known vulnerable systems right that we can't patch because the vendor says you can't touch it um, the clinical staff is like, please leave me alone. So, you know, the scope of this particular attack um, did affect multiple hospitals, which probably means they were networked together uh, or have one kind of like corporate back end. I'm curious. Um, I'm trying to understand like what the impact was. It sounds like it was IT infrastructure. So maybe fi some file servers, maybe some research areas. Um, you know, operations like HR and, um, you know, marketing PR and stuff like that. So the good news is it, it doesn't sound like patient safety was impacted, which is always priority at uh, healthcare facilities. But dude, healthcare is not immune and threat actors suck and ransomware is going to ransomware. Uh, the final thing I'll say is like, you know, we talk about ransomware every single day basically on this program. And I'll say it until until there's no reason to say it anymore. I'll say it with ransomware. You're not necessarily trying to protect from lockbit. What you should be doing 
at your organization, or if you're being interviewed, you should say this in the interview. Think about the NIST cybersecurity framework, hashtag I love NIST. Uh, let me drop that in there. Think about the NIST cybersecurity framework. There's like left a boom and right a boom, right? Protect and then you know, detect, respond, recover, right? So there's before bad happens, then after bad happens. A lot of people focus on before bad happens because it's easy to put controls in place. It's easy to check off like, oh, these are working. You really need to think about the response and most importantly, practice the workflows of the response. Yes, ooh, having backups. We can restore from backups. That's wicked awesome. Well, what if Kevin is the only one who knows how to install from backups? And Kevin's been here 20 years. So guess what Kevin did? He went to Cancun for Christmas break because he's earned it. Kevin's not here. And the fleet of junior engineers that you left on standby don't know how to use Kevin's backup system because Kevin made it special, right? Like th that crap happens. So with ransomware, like ransomware is the number one threat, right? So you need to, you definitely need to bake it into your workflows, but you need to put in controls that mitigate the likelihood of ransomware and the impact of ransomware. So how bad can it spread? And it seems like maybe they did that here with network segmentation and maybe contingencies of having browser browsers available to deploy quickly on like laptops or something. I don't know. Uh, to be able to access the EHR, whatever it is that they're doing there or you're doing in your business. The important thing is whatever your controls are, think, does this limit the likelihood? And, and more importantly, does this limit the blast radius of a ransomware attack, right? Because that's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to be resilient, right? Cyber resiliency, not cybersecurity. But don't sleep on the right of boom side. So many people do that. And it's not it's not unfair. It's just it's more junior people do that because that's easier to like wrap your head around. On the right side with response, Yes, get your backups. Yes, understand what are mission critical processes that you need. Yes, understand who are the people, who are the actual humans who have the knowledge to be able to actively respond, right? Do you have a call list? If everything is stored in Outlook and Outlook is down, how are you going to pull the cell phone up? You got to have call lists. By the way, in healthcare specifically, the clinical side, they have documented call lists for like on duty, you know, ten, uh, attending physician and like who like rolled over, who was the last attending in case like a patient, you know, goes into a coma or something. They need to know like what the hell just, uh, sorry, Kenny. So anyways, we as IT practitioners and cyber people, I can't believe I just called myself an IT practitioner. Um, we need, I'm joking. I'm not, but cyber and IT are, are separate. But anyways, you need to work through tabletop exercises on ransomware and make sure that you put in injections that ensure that gaps are identified. A tabletop exercise, final thing I'm going to say about this, because this is so important. A tabletop exercise, it's not, you should not consider it a major win if you go through the whole exercise and everything looks great. Like the whole point, in my opinion, and don't say this publicly at the kickoff meeting, because then you're going to be like, ah, but like you should be looking for gaps in your tabletop exercises so you can fix them, right? You need to find out that um, Johnny doesn't know how to restore from backups. Like, oh, there's a problem. Like, Kevin, maybe you should document that, or maybe you should make a loom video and show it. Or maybe we should once a month make sure that Johnny restores the backups. Or like, you know, Sally, who do we call? In whose general, like, who do we call at the lawyers for external counsel if we're getting uh, prompted by the um, the threat actors to pay 
a ransom. Who do we call? I don't know. Well, Sally, maybe we should get a call list. Like, how about that? Like, it, you should always be trying to find gaps for process improvement. If you go through a tabletop exercise and everybody's high-fiving at the end because it was perfect and smooth as butter, like, either you didn't do a great tabletop exercise or you are a tier five maturity level optimized, like chat GPT is running your whole show kind of thing. Like it never happens. There's always room for improvement, period. Ohio lottery cyber attack claimed by Dragon Force. Of numerous organizations suffering cyber attacks over the holiday period, the Ohio lottery had to shut down some key systems on Christmas Eve. This affected the caching of prizes above $599, as well as preventing customers from seeing winning numbers on its website. A new extortion operation named Dragon Force has placed a notice on its leak site saying that it is holding over 600 gigabytes of information. Experts believe that despite the new name, this attack has the hallmarks of an already experienced gang. Yeah, of course. All right, so Ohio Lottery screwed. If you got a scratchy for 600 in your stocking, you got to wait to cash that in. Two packs of Paul Mall, sweetie, right? Like... <laughs> I worked at a gas station for a while and uh, had a woman who like in Massachusetts, which is like scratchy central Scrat scratchies or scratch tickets, by the way. And uh, she would always be like, like, like actively smoking a palm oil and ordering two more packs of palm oil, sweetie. Um, anyways, uh, Ohio's hit by, you know, whatever ransomware threat actors <clears throat> to me, the, uh, the TLDR story with this, um, is okay. They welcome to another ransomware story. I just spent a good, like eight minutes talking about this one. So I'm not going to, uh, rinse and repeat. What I will say is this is a hospital. This is a state lottery commission. It's still ransomware. Everything I said before remains the same. All the protection controls, limiting blast radius, doing tabletop exercises, looking for gaps. It's the same thing. Ransomware is a blight on our industry and it's the same playbook for approaching it. Okay. So that's all I'll take from that. The one like interesting thing that I'd like to distill, um, like out of this is, uh, they said that dragon force, by the way, you know, flaming donkey patent pending, uh, was unavailable. So they went with dragon force. Um, but flaming donkey for those who are new here, is uh, the APT that Simply Cyber Community is trying to drive <laughs> to show up on the MITRE ATT&CK framework. Also, um, let me know if we have any first-timers in chat. If this is your first episode, hashtag first-timer. We always have a first-timer, but doesn't look like we have one today. They say the Dragon Force ransomware group is taking credit. I've never heard of Dragon Force. Um, super cool name. I think the Konami code will work here to give them 30 lives when they start their ransomware campaigns. but. They said it has all the hallmarks of an experienced gang. This is true, and this is something everybody should take away. This is kind of a, you know, the more you know sec uh, section. Uh, there's an emote for that. Um, threat actors, the TTPs, the way that they show up, the way that they behave, the way that they hit uh, victims, the way they get initial access, the way they drop payloads, the way they talk in negotiations, they are human elements, and you don't really change that. It's the tip of the pyramid of pain. So when they say it's got all the hallmarks, it's wicked common for a, like say a threat actor, the heat gets too hot, right? Dark side hits colonial pipeline and the federal government of the United States is up there, butt sideways. They disband and rename themselves 
uh, Black Cat. Um, Conti Ransomware, aka Wizard uh, Wizard Spider. Wicked, wicked good. Super top tier ransomware threat actor group. Russia invades Ukraine and claims that they're pro-Russia. Half the group's Ukrainian. They implode and, and split off. And then all of a sudden, new ransomware gangs spring up. So like the name of the group, it's this isn't the NFL. There isn't only 32 teams. You can just spawn up a new team and have a ransomware group, right? Like, you know, Dragon Force has entered the chat. Like this just can happen. So it's all about the people behind the scenes, which is why when there is a law enforcement... When there's a law enforcement crackdown on ransomware threat actors, yes, tearing down their infrastructure is super important, just like law enforcement did with Black Cat a couple of weeks ago. But it's vitally important that you get to the uh, the humans who are running these operations because they'll just spawn up another one, right? It, and honestly, it gets back to the business continuity. I was just talking about with Kevin being the only one who knows how to run backups and little Johnny not understanding how that works. If you take out the leaders of the threat ransomware groups, the junior people who are kind of in there, they may not know how to do how to respawn it effectively, right? So it's all about taking the heads off the ransomware hydras when you do it, or else they're gonna spawn up like Dragon Force. All right. Oh, Russ Blandon, first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. I love it, love it, love it. Let's give him uh Russ a first timer emote. Jacqueline Lyons with the first timer. And I agree with Jazzy Jazz about Flaming Donkey. DJ Hawk, Simon Levy, first timers in the house. What's up? Welcome to the parties, pal. All right, let's keep going. Also, it tickles me that I got to work a Konami code reference into the the podcast here. First American says funds are secure. Following up on a story we brought you on Tuesday, title insurance company First American has now stated that all funds held at First American Trust and third-party partner banks remain secure despite last week's cyber attack. Its main website is also now back up. The company has not yet stated whether this was a ransomware attack. It was. <laughs> Wall of Flipper. I mean, come on. Like, what what kind of games are you playing here? I mean, this is like a hallmark of, uh, you know, large multi-billion dollar companies that have a ton of uh, cooks in the kitchen. They were, they're not acknowledging it was a ransomware attack. Like, best not to give any information away. It was clearly a ransomware attack, bro. Like, <laughs> um, way to go first, American. Most financials, um, most financial services company. I know this is like a real estate company, but basically they're moving money. Um, making moves like a snake in the grass roundabout. Hey, Marcus. <laughs> I feel like I have like a private conversation with Marcus Kyler, like threaded in between the lines of every episode. So they uh, are back up. I think First American got hit maybe like 10 days ago. Uh, first announced it December 21st. They announced it on the 21st, which is eight days ago. But believe this, the attack happened before the 21st. They definitely mulled over um, the attack and whether or not to, you know, how bad was it and whether to say it was a breach. If I had to guess the attack happened, um, probably like December 13th, 14th, like, you know, a week before, um, and they're back up and running. So clearly first American, uh, comes to the daily cyber threat briefing podcast and listens to me flip out about ransomware protection and recovery best practices. And 
They probably do tabletop exercises. This is an example of what it looks, excuse me, this is an example of what it looks like when you put in good practices and good controls. Remember everybody, we work in cybersecurity, but it really should be called cyber resiliency because it is about continuing operations in the face of a, of a compromise or an incident and continuing to be able to recover to a, new, a known good state in a timely manner. This right here, textbook. Way to go first, American. Thanks for taking my $75 when I bought my house for a title insurance thing that I thought was kind of scammy, but people in chat have corrected me. I'm happy to see that you have won. Um, I will point out one quick thing that just occurred to me. Um, First American may have paid the ransom, right? So there's that. Like in my mind, I'm like giving them kudos and high fives and rubbing their back and being like, way to go, First American. You've got InfoSec figured out. You're a tier four level maturity on the NIST CSF. But if they just stroked a check and the ransomware threat actors gave them the decryption key and promised not to sell their data, um, they would have recovered equally as fast. So we will um, see. They are a publicly traded company, which I think would mean that they would have to disclose. They definitely disclosed that it was a cyber attack. I don't know uh, if they have to disclose it was ransomware or not. But <sighs> anyways, if it was a big enough uh, ransomware payment, I think they have to disclose that in SEC filings as an expense, right? I mean, you do have to you do have to do a PL uh, and make that public for your uh, um, in the 10K filing. So we'll see. Anyways, they got up and running. This whole potential to deter Bluetooth spam attacks. Following up on a story we brought you in September regarding a Flipper Zero proof of concept, a new project built in Python now offers the capacity to detect Bluetooth spam attacks. In September, this ability was demonstrated by a researcher as something of a prank, but the ability to spam Apple devices in this way soon took on a life of its own and spread to Android devices without the need for a Flipper Zero. As reported in Bleeping Computer, this is far from a prank with, quote, many reported severe business disruptions with their square payment readers, while others faced more threatening situations like causing insulin pump controllers to crash and hearing aids and heart rate monitoring tools to be disrupted, end quote. The Wall of Flippers solution claims to run on Linux and Windows, but has not been independently tested and is a work in progress. All right, from the uh, office of don't be an a-hole. Uh, we bring you this story. So Flipper Zeros, where's my Flipper Zero? Got my Flipper Zero here. Yes. Flipper Zero check-in if you got a Flipper Zero. <laughs> so check it out at, at Wild West. So basically right around the time of Wild West Hack and Faust, early October, uh, somebody released uh, like a module for the Flipper Zero that basically allowed you to spam Bluetooth requests. Uh, Ryan Montgomery, aka Zero Day, um, had a video that was pretty popular on, I think, LinkedIn or or, or Twitter or um, social media, well, like wherever. And it basically shows it, and it, it it basically takes advantage of Bluetooth's um, protocol, which basically is looking for connections, right? So Bluetooth protocol looking for connections, looking for connections, and by spamming. The, the flipper zero is like, I want to connect. I want to connect. I want to connect. I want to connect. It's like, it's like a four-year-old at a candy store. Who's like tugging on your pant. Like, like, Hey, 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 
And uh, because of that, you basically get a classic denial of service attack. Now, to realize what I'm talking about uh, most effectively, think about this. When you have your phone and you put in, you turn on your like AirPods or whatever, and it's like, boom, right? And it's like, would you like to connect? And you're like, yes, I would. And then now you're listening to like this podcast on an airplane. James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet, for example. No big deal. That's the normal behavior. And by the way, this is important why understanding how things are supposed to work enables you to understand how they can be weaponized and, and broken from a cyber perspective. The attack basically sends that request over and over again. So you go to like, listen to this podcast. And it's like, blong, 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 blong. And effectively, you can't hit okay enough because you're getting repeated requests, but you needed a flipper zero. You needed to be close to the person. I do want to point at Wild West Hacking Fest, John Strand, um, in, e in e the emotes, John Strand, actually had to like do a public service announcement. It was near the end of Wild West Hacking Fest, but basically like interrupted the conference and told some somebody was walking around doing that and basically told them that like, uh, you're ruining the conference for everybody. You think you're cool, but you're not. Quit being an a-hole. And that's the end of that. So like, like it, you know, it, it can be like done like that. Okay, finally to this story. Someone has taken it, ported it out, the, the concept, taken and ported it out of needing the Bluetooth, uh, the Flipper Zero, and made it Python. And then are now they're enabling, um, you can make it like you have tons of Flipper Zeros and tons of the ability to make these requests. Same concept, but it, it, it decouples itself from needing the Flipper Zero and weaponizes it to make it like almost amplified, right? Like a distributed denial of service attack, even though it's all coming from one box. The impact is if you were an absolute jerk off, right? You could go to a food truck rodeo and just sit in your car and blow out the entire space and none of the food trucks would be able to take credit cards. Cause let's be real. All the food trucks are using square payment readers. You could DOS an entire food truck rodeo right now. That's completely, completely um, nefarious and completely jerk off. But like, there's not really anything you could do about it, right? Like the only way you could really do something about it, I think would be to put like a mini Faraday cage over the reader in your food truck and then have like customers slide it under the Faraday cage, which is a total ridiculous solution. But my point is that's just one use case of how we've gone from um, silly and funny and like, um, like nuanced irritation and like, like, a, like a prank, right? Like, oh, I'm going to punk you. We're going to prank you to now impacting business operations for business owners. And basically think of anything that uses Bluetooth in order to control access, in order to control payment, in order to control um, like telemetry, like they said in the story, like heart rate monitors, like anything like Bluetooth is like, ooh, like look at this personal area network and how awesome everything's sliding around. This basically allows you to do a denial of service attack on Bluetooth. So be aware of this. First of all, a lot of us use Bluetooth for personal reasons. So, you know, that could be impacted. Um, this will require a Bluetooth protocol update to mitigate the risk of this. And it will impact end user ability because it's going to basically make end users have to go through an extra step or, or do some type of additional validation in order to control, like, like you could make it so like a device, like doesn't look for a Bluetooth request in the next 
uh, 30 seconds or one minute or something like that. But still, it's going to be a race condition between the swarm of like repeated pushes and like the customer's credit card trying to make a payment. All I wanted was some tacos, man. Why you got to be why you got to be messing with my taco situation? And now a word from our sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Has your organization faced a ransomware attack? Keep calm, breathe, and head over to recoverfromransomware.com. Barricade Cyber Solutions is the industry choice for ransomware recovery services that small and medium business leaders can rely on. With a track record of rescuing over 3,000 businesses like yours in the last five years alone, you can trust Barricade Cyber Solutions' elite DFIR team for the recovery of your business's data and systems. Schedule a complimentary consult today at recoverfromransomware.com. Apache of Biz. All right. Welcome to the mid-roll, everybody. You know what we do. Get your hey, hey, hey's ready. All right, everybody. Welcome to the mid-roll. It's great to see you. Thank you all so very much for being here for our final episode of the year. I want to give a follow-up shout-out to Barricade Cyber Solutions, Panopsi Security, and Anti-Siphon Training. Long-time sponsors of the stream. Shout-out to Anti-Siphon and Barricade for renewing for 2024. Uh, I got a call, like I said, at 9 a.m. with Brandon uh, for Panopsi Security. One of the topics on the agenda is whether or not renewing is in the cards. Cool either way. Love having them. Super proud to be on their board of advisors as well. If you're getting value from the stream, my friends, Q-Dip, Divine Dream Divine, Space Tacos, Jack Scott, if you're getting value from the stream, do me a favor, hit the like button. It's not to pump my ego. It's literally to help other practitioners find our stream every single day. We show up every day and we show out and we just want to help other people be the best cyber practitioner they can be. And the only way we can help them find us is by hitting the like button right now or telling people on social media or telling somebody in the elevator, hey, do you know about this? Or dropping knowledge bombs at cons. There's a lot of ways to do it, but I love it, love it, love it. All right. Hey, guess what? Do you know about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? If you would like to grow your professional network in 2024 like a boss, right? Like Jack Scott does. Jax, what's up? Just giving you some, throwing you some love. Um, do the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Here's the deal. Five minutes a day, two weeks time. Come back and tell me I'm wrong. Lee Mueller currently has the baton. Lee Mueller is going to tag somebody and give them the baton right now. Go on LinkedIn. Here's your action. Just do this and you'll, you'll, you'll be super happy. Go on LinkedIn and search for this hashtag. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Great. You search for it, you're going to see the posts from the baton holders. Go into their post, read their posts. Really great people. Hundreds of people have done this already, right? Read their posts, get to know them, connect with them. First step, now you've got a connection that's meaningful. Two, comment on their post. Let them know who you are. Let them know what you think about it. Maybe you got something in common. Three, connect with the people in the comments. You're building your network, right? There's 10 connections. Boom. 10 Meaningful Cyber Practitioner Supportive Inclusive Connections. Now, here's where it gets a force multiplier. The next person who comes in, they're going to connect with the poster and the people in comments, which is also you. So you will be passively growing your uh, network 
passively, right? So five minutes a day, you're active. 23 hours, 55 minutes a day, you're passive. Two weeks time, hundreds and hundreds of like-minded cyber practitioner um, connections. And your LinkedIn feed is going to be more valuable as well because there's all sorts of sharing and resources going on. Believe me. Oh, yeah. No, Alana. There, like, I invite you to come back and tell me I'm wrong. Like, seriously. Everybody. Like, I'm telling you, this works. This works. It's like we've appropriated this hashtag or we've, I don't know, established it or whatever the correct word is. And it works. We've been doing it for like a year. I love it. All right. Joke of the week. Uh, Grayson's joke of the week presented by James McQuiggan. Here we go. James McQuiggan coming in hot. Thank you, James McQuiggan. Get your la la la's on. All right. Here we go. James McQuiggan, dad jokes for December 29th. Why should you stand on one leg on New Year's Eve? Why should you stand on one leg on New Year's Eve? To start New Year on the right foot. You got to start New Year's on the right foot, people. Got to stand on that one leg. All right. Hey, James wants you to know that he doesn't want anyone to worry. Okay. James wants everybody in the Simply Cyber community not to worry. He's not going to tell any more dad jokes on the show, at least not until next year. Where do you go to get your math homework on New Year's Eve? I don't know, James. Where do you get your math homework done on New Year's Eve? Oh, at Times Square. At Times Square. <laughs> All right. And finally, why does the person who runs Times Square feel like a failure? We got to get the person from Times Square who runs it to, to come to the Simply Cyber community and we could pump them up. But I don't know, James, why does the person who runs Times Square feel like a failure? Because he always drops the ball. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, James McQuiggan. Appreciate the consistency, the continuity. Exactly, Alana. Alana. All right. Hey, good times. Good jokes. Everybody's a winner. I love it. Let's get, Let's finish strong, okay? HuffBiz zero-day warning. Researchers at SonicWall issued the warning regarding an authentication bypass zero-day flaw that affects Apache OffBiz, an ERP system which forms part of the supply chain of prominent platforms such as Atlassian's Jira. The vulnerability, tracked as CVE 2023-51467, can be triggered to bypass authentication to achieve a simple server-side request forgery. The issue resides in the login functionality and results from an incomplete patch for the pre-auth RCE vulnerability CVE 2023-49070, which has a CVSS score of 9.8. The vulnerability has been addressed by Apache OffBiz with the release of version 18.12.11 or later. Okay. Um, so this is an Apache... Well, first of all... Okay, that seems like a like a no brainer here. Um, SonicWall is a vendor uh, of product, uh, but this seems to be part of their research group that found uh, a critical zero day uh, in the Apache OffBiz. So if you're running a Apache OffBiz, which is basically an open source ERP, um, pretty bold move to go open source ERP. ERPs are enterprise resource planning solutions, and they're massive, right? Like only, at least in my experience. Only large companies, like multi-million dollar companies, even begin flirting with ERPs. If you're a small business, you're not rocking an ERP. Um, again, they mentioned um, 
Atlassian Jira, which is a huge product. I'm not quite sure how that fits into here. Um, okay, so it says it says it's part of the software supply chain in, included in software such as Jira. Um, I just, whatever. I mean, I guess this is where uh, my knowledge kind of is gapped a little bit. Because when I think of an ERP... An ERP is usually a business-facing total solution that you know has a lot of um, logistics and, and automations and and you know like HRs in there and um, you know benefit like all like the way and like procurement and finance and AP and like like business operations. So I don't understand how Jira is in there. Like I could see Jira, uh, which is like a ticketing system being plugged into Sonic Walls, I mean, uh, into Apache uh, OF biz, but not as like a software supply chain behind behind it. Um, yeah, so uh, we're see I'm seeing in mod chat, BSEC saying maybe because Jira is being web-based, Apache's behind it. So the thing is like Apache is known for Apache web server, but Apache is like way bigger and has a lot of other things going on. Um, I guess the one thing I would say based on this story alone, again, I don't fully understand the scope of this problem or why Jira is like using it in a supply chain, but it doesn't matter. What you do need to know is two things. One, if you're running Apache OF biz, this is an absolute patch. Got to fix it. Okay. Ah, you got to patch it. It's a 9.8. You can do remote code execution. It's clearly uh, um, ERPs typically shouldn't be internet facing. However, as I think about it for a second, again, I don't prepare or research for these stories. Some ERP solutions are designed to allow vendors to like log in and register themselves for vendor management and third-party risk and stuff like that in order to like make it easier and less burden on um, the business. So there are internet-facing login portals and access portals to ERP solutions, which could definitely be the case here, uh, which would allow for remote code execution, obviously. Uh, and you're not going to dig on that. They gave it a 9.8, which is really high. A 9.8 basically means that it is a gross, super critical vulnerability that they have not seen exploited in the wild yet. It will change to a 10 when active exploitation is detected in the wild. You do not want to be around when it's at a 10, okay? Like, you don't want to... Uh, what, what would be a, like a, a good example of this? Like, if you know, like, if you know the oil in your, um, you know, furnace or whatever is running low, you want to call in and get a refill on your oil before the blizzard comes. All right. That's basically the same thing, right? A nine, eight means that you're like your oil or your fuel is like blinking and all this other crap. And then a 10 active exploitation is the blizzard coming in a little bit of a winter reference for those of us who have ever had oil burners and, um, live through blizzards, which I moved away from intentionally. Um, but that's the deal, right? You'd be a, you like, you may not run out of oil during the blizzard and maybe you'll be fine after the blizzard's over, they can plow and bring the oil truck in and you're, you're none, the, you're none, you're, um, you're fine, but you run the risk and there's no reason to run the risk because you can patch this right now. So talk to your IT team, you should know if you're running this, frankly, right? Like you don't run an, you don't run multiple ERPs. Carl, Carl, 
Carl doesn't stand up an ERP, like a WordPress site to see like what it does. Like ERPs are very big and very integrated into a business. So if you're running this, you know it, update it. I will say if you're running Jira, which a lot of businesses do, you may want to check into this. Again, I don't fully understand how Jira applies in this case, but it doesn't matter. It's uh, what you want. Ugmi malware loader surges. Cybersecurity firm ESET is tracking a Trojan under the name win slash Trojan downloader.rugmi, R-U-G-M-I, which is apparently being used by threat actors to deliver a wide range of information stealers, such as Luma Stealer, Vidar, Record Breaker, also known as Raccoon Stealer V2, and Rescoms. Detections of RugMe spiked in October and November. The RugMe Stealer is distributed in a number of ways, including malvertising, fake browser updates, and cracked installations of software such as VLC Media Player and OpenAI ChatGPT. Crawl. Oh my god. All right. So here we go. RugMe is a loader. Uh, so think of it as like a dropper, initial infection. You get infected by driving to a website and you you know, you know, either have a vulnerable browser or you get the stupid pop-up that says like, you need to install this extension. And then like you're, you're compromised. Um, downloading cracked versions of software. Educate your kids. You know what I mean? Like educate your children, educate your college students. Like people who want access to software and don't have money will find ways to get it right oh like don't worry like i know it costs whatever but i can do this all this cracked versions got extra skins whatever like this gets back to the same thing of like fortnite skins or roblox skins or um minecraft stuff like you know all this stuff's out there and people who are not and this can be adults too so this isn't throwing shade at anyone but people who are not educated on these type of risks will make decisions based on the information they have, which will expose them to compromise. So you this is definitely an opportunity to educate your end users, your family, your loved ones, your children, your college, whatever. And like around crack software, like you might even make this like, you know, hey, don't do this because this will happen. Um, you got to maintain uh, your patching, right? You got to patch it. Ah, you got to patch it. Right? It's, it's, it's not saying everybody's getting hacked. You don't accidentally wander over to a website and then you're popped. It like the malware does have to get onto the machine. It does have to detonate successfully. It does have to be not detected and quarantined by EDR. A lot of things have to happen, but with a um with an uptick in activity like this, this is good this is good news for threat actors, okay? It's a trojan, it loads and because it's a kind of a loader uh, like our initial dropper. Uh, think about this, like rug me, like blasts a hole in your hull. And then they, they like, you know, they'll, they'll sell access to your machine or to whoever. Right. So it's like, imagine uh, like a sci-fi movie and like the uh, ship comes over and like mounts to your ship. And you're like, Oh my God. Ugh. And then they like drill a hole down. Now they've got this like tunnel uh, or like, you know, channel lock to your machine or to your ship or whatever. And then they're like, hey, other threat actors, threat actors, who wants to install some junk on this machine? And threat actors like, me, me, I want an info stealer, right? Or I, I want ransomware, right? Like, it's just come on down, come on down, like whatever you want, let's go, let's go. So you don't want this. It's, it's basically like a uh, like a beachhead 
on your machines or on your network. So don't don't sleep on those, okay? Obviously, best practices around malware, malware detection, malware prevention, malware response, educating your end users. This is this is you know this is blocking and tackling for us in the industry. Adds more detail to its August FTX customer data breach. Following up on a story we covered in August, the risk and financial advisory company Kroll, K-R-O-L-L, has now released more details about the SIM-swapping-based data breach that occurred that month. The breach exposed the personal information of FTX bankruptcy claimants, and Kroll now says, quote, the exposed data included coin holdings and balances, which would allow threat actors to pinpoint attractive targets who invest heavily in the cryptocurrency markets, end quote. The Cyber Underworld celebrate. All right. So how are we doing on time? We're at 12 minutes. I have a hard stop at 9 a.m., which kind of sucks for the last day of the last show of the year because I, I do like jaw jacking. So I'm gonna I'm gonna speed through this just so we can get a little jaw jacking in and I can say some things to y'all. Uh Kroll reveals information about FTX customer info. So Kroll um is doing the investigation, right? So they're kind of a massive conglomerate that does um incident response. Think of like how Mandiant is basically. Uh, FTX customer exposed. FTX has gone in the drain. Remember, Sam Bankman Freed has been found guilty of being a complete a hole and criminal, and he's going to jail for like 150 years. So, FTX, this is like a post mortem. The thing that I want to point out is when uh, individual information from financial services are compromised, the number one thing you should think of, all right, is if you're a threat actor, right? If you're a threat actor and you've only got six bullets in your gun, right? Like a, a hypothetical gun. We're not shooting real guns here, okay? You got six bullets in your hypothetical gun. Which, how, where are you going to shoot them at? You literally take the data of the victim pool. You put it in a spreadsheet. You filter by total net value or you sort by total net value, right? And you you hit the six top targets. If you're going to spend energy, AKA the bullets, right? On attacking someone, you know what you're trying to do. Cash, homie. You got to maximize that ROI, right? You're not going to go after somebody like me. Who's just like, Ooh, like here's $10 into Bitcoin and Ooh, here's $3 into an NFT. No, we're going for whales, man. Seth, was it Seth green or Seth my, I think it's Seth Green. He had like a $300,000 board ape that got ripped off from his wallet. Some thief stole it. That's what you got to think of. Dude, threat actors aren't stupid. They know how to use Excel. They know how to sort by a number, right? That's all this is saying is that Kroll reveals the data that was there could definitely be used to target whales and make spear phishing wicked easy for threat actors, okay? So best practices. If you are a whale with a huge net worth and you're not using multi-factor authentication, you get a finger wag from me because that is no bueno. That is a bad, bad move. It's leaksmas by gifting each other stolen data. A report from security firm ReSecurity describes how they observed, quote, multiple actors on the dark web releasing substantial data dumps over the holidays. These were the result of data breaches and network intrusions to a variety of companies and government agencies, end quote. The report describes that the data files were tagged with, quote, free leaksmas, end quote, indicating that these significant leaks were shared freely amongst various cyber criminals as a form of mutual gratitude. Oh, God. All right. Threat actor's going to threat act and be silly. So here's the, um, 
Here's the Oprah emote and like the most, hold on. So I'm going to do Oprah and then Flaming Donkey because I feel like that's that's really the, the combo that we're looking here. Uh, you get a free, you get a free data. You get a free data. All right. So there's two things here. One, I mean, who hasn't gotten caught up in the Christmas spirit, right? Like there was a t- uh, cybersecurity cares by way of Lima Charlie ran a telethon to help with domestic violence. I was involved with that. We raised a lot of money. Um, and, you know, people in this season are feeling good. I'm sure what happened here is a couple people on the dark web um, blew out some information and then it got picked up like almost FOMO, like, ooh, ooh, you get it, you get it, you get it. Um, so whatever. So the data was already compromised. So, I mean, maybe you'll experience a little bit of uptick in activity. But, dude, if you have 500,000 records and then someone gives you 200,000 more, like, are you are you like increasing your performance and your efficacy of, of being a criminal by 50%. No, you just have a huger data set. Like, let's be honest, like, <laughs> look at just as an example, all of us in chat and and owning cybersecurity training, right? Like, it's like, oh, another, another training comes out. It's like, oh, I got to buy it. And then you're like, oh, I should probably start the three I already own. It's kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, like, ooh, squeeze it up because it's free. And like, this is fun. And like, let's get all wrapped up into the spirit of things. But I don't know if it's going to result in like any uh, material increase in threat actor activity and compromises in 24. The other thing I want to point out, and I feel like this is kind of a deeper cut that uh, is worth um, sharing with you all is that um, in some instances, data is going to expire, right? So um, specifically like credit card data, I've seen this on the dark web before where like basically uh, credit cards have an expiration date, right? I've seen threat actors who are like every credit card that has an expiration date of like 2023, like end of 23, like December 23 or you know, February 24th, like threat actors will release all that because the value of those credit cards are about to go to zero anyways. So why not um, basically use it as a sunk cost or a loss leader, as they call it in business and drum up a lot of attention, a lot of awareness, basically as a marketing tool. Again, I got to tell you guys, like cyber criminals are cyber criminals, but the level of sophistication that cybercrime is in 2023 is enterprise grade. And they apply the same business principles that you and I would for running a normal business, like a ice cream stand or a cybersecurity education company. All right. So, um, you know, here we go getting, everybody's in the spirit, even threat actors are human. And, you know, they're not, they're not like Dr. Evil mustache twisting James Bond villain. They are humans. They do have families and emotions and, you know, I mean, they're just, they're in the business of crime, which is a problem, right? All right. How are we doing on time? Just a reminder, there will be no- 8.54. Let's go. All right, guys, if you were here just for the news, thank you so very much. I want to take a moment uh, and say thank you, all of you. Happy Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Great work in 23. We had so many wins for the community. Uh, the channel itself grew exponentially. Um, I'm super pumped. I don't know if this is going to happen on... Let me let me, let me me do this really quickly. Uh, how do I do this? So many new friends. So many new, new people. We got new mods. We got... I'm just like... It's just amazing. Um, current... Okay, so check this out. This is kind of bananas. Um, 
I don't know if you guys know this, like the channel itself, I know this looks super janky, but the channel itself is at 99,300. We easily could break 100,000 subs in the Simply Cyber community uh, this before 2024, okay? So like 2023 goal, I had it as a goal to hit 100,000. Didn't think it was gonna happen. Boom, baby. So these things happen. I want to say shout out to all of you. Happy New Year. Be good. Be safe. Be safe, everybody. I'm a huge advocate that New Year's Eve is basically like rookie drinking day. There's a lot of jack wagons who don't know how to handle their alcohol um, out there getting plowed and then driving at 1 a.m. in the morning. Many of you in uh, colder regions driving on slippery roads. So you've got some somebody who's intoxicated who's not used to drinking a lot but they went they went hard because it's new year's eve driving in sh crappy conditions it's it's a it's a recipe for disaster so please if you do decide to go be go out be careful um i want all of you to be here on 2024 uh seriously there's no episode on monday january 1st new year's eve there's currently one on the channel but it's going to get pulled down new year's eve is another day off um yep thank you to all of you please i see so many of you sharing uh kind words and kind notes to each other as you always do um yeah jesse johnson saying right there he'll he'll personally pay for your uber uh there's so many ways to get home safely nowadays. This isn't 1980 where you're like, oh, I guess I'm just going to drive 14 miles with a Bud Light in my, in my, between my legs and no seatbelt. Like, just come on. All right, guys, solid. Hey, 2024 uh, on January 4th, next Thursday, uh, I'm going to be doing the State of the Union uh, town hall meeting to kind of lay out. Uh, what I did at the Q4 of 23, what you can expect in Q1 24, and kind of the bigger picture of 2024. We've got multiple speaking engagements. I'm going to try to get two courses published, uh, keynoting Wild West Hacking Fest. I'm going to set up my own goals for 2024. So if you're interested in how I set up goals, I know that's more of a individual thing and not a cyber community thing. Um, there's so much. There's so much going on. I genuinely appreciate it, guys. You've been all so supportive, all so amazing. Uh, you helped me out. You've helped the channel out. You've helped each other out. Hopefully, you've been helped yourself. The value train goes strong. Shout out to the mod team uh, who have shown up every single day. Um, James McQuiggan, Dan Reardon, uh, Grayson and Callan for supporting the days of the week. We, need a, uh, we do need a Simply Cyber Community Challenge volunteer. I just remembered. Uh, we do need one. So if anybody is interested, really quickly, we've got two minutes before I got to go. Uh, super chat from James McQuiggan. Thanks, Jerry. It's been an awesome year. Proud to be part of this awesome community. Coffee cup. Cheers. Smash that like button. Happy New Year's. 100% James. We got some gifted subs coming in. I'm sorry that I, I missed uh, Arturo with the gifted subs and uh, Peter with gifted subs. Thank you so much, Uh for hooking it up. Hey, 2023. Catch me outside, how about that? That's right, catch me outside, 2023. 2024, we got you. You know what 2024 is gonna be like? I came in like the rain. <laughs> I love it, I love it. 
All right, guys. And with that, I bid you a happy new year. See you later, 2023. See you later, Simply Cyber Community. Be well. And until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber Community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. One.